Helix mattresses have been recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Everybody is unique, and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. So how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You can take the Helix Sleep Quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door free of charge. Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10-15 to year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash drink. That's helixsleep.com slash drink. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Are you the type of person who loves to treat yourself? You know, sometimes you just want to buy yourself a coffee, a fancy coffee. Sometimes you want to get a little extra legroom on the plane. You know what I mean? So if you ever treat yourself to the top options, other places like that, then why are we settling when we're finding a doctor? I know it's easy to fall into that rut, but your health is so important. Enter ZocTalk. ZocTalk is a place where you can find and book tens of thousands of top tier doctors, all with verified patient reviews. ZocTalk is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. There's no more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist. You know we hate that. And these doctors all have verified reviews from actual real patients. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, which is so helpful. You can see who's located near you and who's available and who can treat basically any condition you're searching for. Plus, a typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between just 24 to 72 hours. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments. When I moved to LA years ago, I discovered ZocDoc because I was so tired of having to call all these different offices and wait. It took hours sometimes to figure out which doctor in town could help me and which one took my insurance, but not anymore with ZocDoc. I was able to find everything from a psychiatrist to a GI doctor, and I did that all through ZocDoc, and the app has only gotten better over time. I still use it. I still love it. I always recommend it to people, whether you have phone anxiety like me or not. It couldn't get easier to find a doctor with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash drink and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash drink. ZocDoc dot com slash drink. It occurred to me as I was getting up to go pee that the audacity was still recording, so poor Eva had to listen to me peeing. Uh-huh. in the audacity file oh hi everybody welcome to the, and that's why we drink uh a podcast where i can't stop myself from just being gross a um, podcast where we can't get it together you think we would not. it's just never gonna happen <laughs> it's never gonna happen um em came up with a fun name today and i'm still brainstorming so give me a minute and it'll yes. come up when I come up with it. For a second, I was like, what was the fun name I came up with? But yes, that makes sense. If you watch our YouTube, you can see what our what our name, what my name for myself is this week. <laughs> a lot of you seem to really enjoy when we do that. I shouldn't have said it. I feel like it's fun when people realize it but by themselves, but oh well. Um, I'm insecure about not having a name yet. That's all. <laughs> um, hi, Em. How are you? Uh, Christine, I've got so many things to complain about. <laughs> well, what else is new? Uh, um, what's up? What are you complaining about today? Slash, why do you drink? Well, the main thing, I didn't even plan on complaining about this, but let's just add it to the docket, is that our apartment, one of the many cute traits of it, is that <laughs> weekly our water gets shut off. Because oh, what? 
Because they have to fix something with the pipes. And oh my god. It's literally every goddamn week there's a sign on our door that says, oh yeah, well, you're not going to have water for all of Tuesday. And it's like, <sighs> And so I woke up to do this and like, I'm one of those people who I need to wash my face when I wake up. There's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And there's no water right now. So my face feels very grimy. I'm sure it's fine, but it just doesn't feel clean. So I'm sitting here feeling like I have like a film on me and it's oh, very gross. No. And I found out after I put soap in my hand and then oh, I... Oh, that's the worst. That's the worst. That's the worst. That's so then the worst. I had to like fling it off and dry it on a towel. Oh, and my... That's the worst. There's a film now on your hand for sure. <laughs> oh, I hate that. Yeah, well, uh, that blows. Sorry. I, I wish I were the type of person who had to wash my face when I wake up, but I'm certainly not. So... Oh, well, that's absolutely allison does the same thing she's like i don't need to wash my face when i wake up but i'm like what is wrong with you like i can you just walk around like with your sleep skin on like what <laughs> it freaks me out i need to like have it all exfoliated and skin oh <laughs> that's how okay, it feels we'll put it that way <laughs> i feel like i just have like a sheen of grease on me all the time if i'm not washed cute <laughs> i know and i'm fine like realistically there's nothing going on but my i've convinced myself i've convinced i've convinced myself it's a lot worse than it is so that's that's now the problem of today, but I'm so sorry for you and all your water loss. Do you have a reason why you drink? Um, yeah, it's because I couldn't find this beautiful object of mine for a couple of days, and I finally found it. What is it? <gasps> your Zach Bacon's blanket. Oh, look! It was in the guest room closet because I gave it to my sister when she spent the night, and so it was in the closet. I was like, "Where did I put that blanket?" And so I finally found it. Um, let's all hear Christine again. So you gave you give this to your guests. That's that's how. Oh. Of course. <laughs> I didn't even hear myself say it, but absolutely. This He's is... like, here, this will keep you warm at night. <laughs> I'm going to miss it a lot, but you can have it for the evening. Um, yeah, so it's it's uh, it's keeping me cozy today. And that's really it. I mean, I'm going to visit Blaze's family in Connecticut this weekend, so I'm excited about that. Um, I'm not excited because we're driving like 12 hours to be there, to get there with the dog. So that should be interesting. But we haven't seen them in like a year and a half. So it'll be kind of nice. We're all vaccinated now. The whole fam. I'm very excited for you. That's Thank you. That's a, a big deal. As I sit here unvaccinated and, and unwashed, unbathed. <laughs> unbathed i feel so unclean inside and out um <laughs> your immune system and your whole what did you call it sleep skin my sleep skin you know what someone's gonna be really grossed out by that that's not you and someone's gonna understand it like me so i that's i true. feel like we're like we're out i mean of i guarantee here. you i have a sleep skin i just don't really care i think is the difference <laughs> like i just walk around my house like i don't care because no i don't wear pants i don't wash my face well you know what um, i don't wash my face when i go to bed which i think a lot of people would think is worse because that's my day skin that i'm going to bed with. yes that is worse i would say yeah uh, also not great at that on my end so i i'm not judging because i'm just bad at i guess cleaning myself ever so especially this time and time and age time and place of my life i just you know just don't feel the need to be presentable ever, why would really during a pandemic well, uh, truly still why Honestly, would you you know someone like i saw something posted like why are we all complaining about which jeans to wear who the hell is wearing jeans and i was like that's a great point who the hell is wearing jeans who cares at this point if you don't have a fear wondering if your jeans are gonna fit when you finally put them back on it's something i'm not about to buy a whole new wardrobe of jeans right like forget it i'm not even gonna try i'm too i'm i don't have i don't have the funds 
well, my, mental capacity. Well, my thought is like I haven't worn jeans in a year, so exactly. I'm I'm afraid that they're not going to fit when I put them on again. I know, but that's what I'm saying. Like, then we're going to have to buy all new jeans. No, thank you. I'm not interested in that. So just avoid them altogether. I haven't even thought. Then you don't have thought. the fear. Then you don't have the the monetary spend. Just wear stretchy pants. <sighs> yeah, I feel like after the quarantine, like I, you know, fashion. I, you know, me, a fashionista. <laughs> fashion, yes. And why don't you regale us with your tales of fashion, please? Well, you know how, like, you know, style comes from whatever's going on Within? historically. Uh, oh, oh. oh. <laughs> you say, from the eye of the beholder. <laughs> <laughs> That's beauty. Thank you. We can't all have that. Sorry, different from style. Okay. Um, but no, I, like, I... I would like to think fashion comes from like whatever's going on historically in the world. And so I would think after the quarantine, it would just be like shaggy hair and joggers is all Mm -hmm. the rage and like no one should. But then what's going to happen? The next historical thing is everyone's going to feel safe to go outside again. So pendulum going to be like sundresses and shit. It's going to be like high heels, which like no. All the things you've been thinking of wearing during the (sighs) pandemic. Yeah, it's going to be a very look. If I'm right, whenever this pandemic is over, if this is how fashion looks, I'm okay to be fair you just gave two opposite suggestions of what fashion is going to be so like it could either be you'll one fall somewhere in between those or the other and nowhere in between so uh anyway let me know fashionistas you know fill me in in six months how how we're doing um so that's where I think we are I'm not going to go into gene territory I'm going to stick no. with the I'm going to stick with the pandemic era fashion you know yeah joggers yeah, and check well, I guess not shaggy hair. Allison cut my hair this weekend, but very, very glam. Very, you know, that's what I what I go for with my sleep with my sleep skin. Um, anyway, welcome to and that's why we drink where we tell a paranormal story and a true crime story. And have you picked up on my uh, my name yet? No, M sleep skin. <laughs> <laughs> it was like M M's just to to spoil it for everyone. M's is Christine's sleep paralysis demon, and I was like, I have to come up with something equally scary. And then I was like, What is equally scary? Oh, M's sl- or yeah, M's sleep skin is probably just as. What would I see as a sleep paralysis demon? M and their sleep skin is what I would see. Christine's day skin. Oh, that is scary. <laughs> You're right. Any just Christine's skin in general is scary. <laughs> Um, thank you, Em. The, the problem is now nobody's ever going to see the sleep paralysis demon because apparently it changes it for the entire recording. Oh, no. I okay. know. It's really annoying. Well, Ed. for so, people who are guessing, it originally said Christine's sleep paralysis demon, and now we've got a, a set of skin, a, a couple of skins uh, between the two of skin us. And this is, it, it is really <laughs> scary sounding and grotesque. Um, so, yeah, we, I think we, we, we nailed it. Anyway. We nailed it. I think we did. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so anyway, would you like to hear a story, Christine? I would love to. I'm going to actually take my ZB blanket, get it kind of cozy here. Cover up your your little day skin, see it's what happens. Like a, yeah, I know now how insecure I'm supposed to feel about never washing my face. So <laughs> yes, and I know I need to wash my face. Okay, I know. I watch YouTubers. I get how important it is. I just <laughs> don't do it. Because here's the thing. Don't your sleeves get wet? I can't understand how people wash their face. This is going to sound so dumb. And I've been thinking it for years. And I don't know how else to ask, except I'm just going to say it in public now. How do you wash your face because my sleeves all get wet and it runs down my arms the water and i'm just like how do you do it without getting water all over the bathroom i tell me please i know you well enough to know that all of your long sleeves they're weirdly loose long sleeves like they're all they're all droopy drapey so like because what my answer is like you just put your sleeve up 
Yeah, but then it runs down your arms and then it gets all over the counter. I mean, I know that's probably a me thing too because I'm, as M knows, I'm not really particularly clean or organized when I'm doing any sort of task. Um, but I feel like water gets all over the place. Like, how do you keep it? Somebody said once to buy those like uh, 80s um, sweatbands. So I did that for a while, but then they got all so- soggy. I'm sorry. Wait, like, someone, it's a, it's a good suggestion for someone who's as messy as you, but they're really, someone else out there says to put 80s yes. sweatbands on your wrist 80s sweatbands to keep the water to from soak pouring. Up the water. Yeah. Well, okay. But no. Okay. I thought you were going to be like, yes, Christine, I totally get it. And you're not saying that now. Are you not saying that? I'm saying I understand because oh, I have. <laughs> Oh, shit. I thought I was like, okay, I'm going to nail something that M has had a problem with and has nailed and I'm going to get a solution. And M's well, like, literally, no. what are you talking no, about? No, no, no. I'm not saying what are you talking about? Because I know I understand the complaint. But I have, so I always like double wrap up my sleeves sure. so they're super tight. Sure. Like I'll even like roll the sleeves to make sure right. that they're tight on me. So they're tight now. Uh-huh. I got my my space camp sweat. Speaking of fashion, <laughs> my space camp sweatshirt on. I also okay. I also always have the washcloth or towel next to the sink before anything happens. So that way so, okay. I can just do you grab wash it with your hands and then dry it with a washcloth. Do you wash it with the washcloth? How do you perform this action? Okay, a lot of people are gonna give me shit because I know Why this... did nobody teach me how to wash my face. That's the big problem. Well, the here, thing I is, I was. I think I was taught how to wash my face and then I just still actively went against it because if I was too lazy but like uh so I wash my face with my hands and I'm yeah. pretty sure you have to do it with a washcloth to like exfoliate right it's like buff it or something I don't know you're looking at me who literally doesn't know how to wash their face thank you for asking I just use my hands and soap and then just like zhuzh my face and then I take like, like hand soap like a bar, like a bar of soap or a hand soap or whatever's nearby. Okay, well that I know you're supposed to not use just bar soap. That's gonna just and oh no, whatever. Don't soap you have is... facial cleanser or something? Soap? Yeah, I probably I don't know. Whatever is on my sink, I use. I don't oh, know. Boy. I I know cool. I know people are gonna scream like, at me, but whatever. Fucking palm oil, you just <laughs> spread all over your forehead. <laughs> what if it gets in your eyes? Oh god. I had I have used that in the past in a in, a, in an urgent in a need where like i didn't have anything else in my face felt gross i have used like dish soap but like dawn <laughs> i have my thought was like if it can get the grease off pans it can get the grease off my oh face my God. and all of the moisture and nutrients of my skin yeah i mean that, um, those were in pinches but like i've like whatever soap is in my bathroom i don't really pay attention to it so i but then i just like use my hands and then i do the thing where i make a cup with my hands and get all the yes. water and then i just press my face splashed into it. on your face but then it goes all over the floor no, okay this is because you thing. said splash and i said press into my face <laughs> <laughs> yeah potato potato it's okay. like it's like i imagine it's a little pool and i'm a, i'm a kid trying to like hold my breath underwater i just kind of go and then i let go of the water sake. with my hand in the sink and then i grab the towel and then i blah 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 what do you do? Okay. Apparently you splash around. Like <laughs> I end up, I get in so much trouble. Ask Allison. She lived with me. I used to just, I still, I can't do anything, whether it's brushing my teeth, washing my hands, washing my face without just a, like a lake. Like I just create a lake around me. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. There's just lakes of water wherever I go. And uh, it's, it's just bad. It's just messy and it's bad. And now I have my own house. And so I have to actually be like pretty damn careful about <laughs> destroying my home. So I'm like, I don't want to get water all over the floors and the 
but that's what I do. It's it's just a disaster. I don't understand. Next time we're in, in the same room together, we'll like I'll I'll you teach me. We'll wash our face together and see what happens. Because I also don't under I know people can like accidentally drip everywhere, but I don't know people who can make like monsoons like you can. So. <laughs> Um, wow, I suddenly feel so special you in teach, the worst way. You teach me and I'll teach you. How about that? <laughs> I'll teach you what not to do. Okay. Right. Anyway, sorry. That was such a derail that I was like, it just suddenly hit me why I don't wash my face because I find it so difficult, which like, is the stupidest thing ever. But it's just like, I feel like I don't know how to do it properly. And so it just ends up being a huge complication of my life my Um, my issue with washing my face a lot especially when my hair is like longer and on my forehead is i don't know how to wash around my hair when it's like in my face so that was an issue but then i just got one of those little hairband things i just like held my hair up oh yeah that actually is smart um anyway okay well if anyone else has this problem let me know because i'm gonna feel real dumb in about how many days four days when this comes out so uh thanks in advance anyway please tell me a story while i hide under this large photo of zach Bergen. uh okay oh can i can i make a, an announcement by the way of course you this can. late in so i don't know how on earth my world's decided to collide like this but one of the people Uh-oh. that allison works with uh her name i don't when i don't know if i necessarily want to say her name i don't know we don't have permission but her let's just say her name was b and somehow allison was working with her at her job where allison's not in the entertainment industry she's like in public no. she's like she's like the only la <laughs> individual yeah. who doesn't work in the entertainment and she was she met this person who works for uh cbs and does casting for let's make a deal and allison trying to like bond with her was like oh yeah well you know my my significant other's parents are doing uh, have been on let's make a deal and all this and she like freaked out and, like wanted to meet them and all this and basically long story short my mom and tom got on the pandemic zoom version of let's make a deal stop it which what which airs soon i can't tell you what happens i can't tell you if they win or not but it will be coming out soon you're kidding me that they they got there's like like literally let's make a deal decided to make a remote episode or your kid and allison basically casted linda on my my mom incredible allison got them to connect and apparently my mom and this person are now like friends in real life of course they are i mean duh what did you expect (laughs) and so uh they like my mom because in let's make a deal we remember the bucket you have to be like dressed in a costume that usually helps you out uh they like really like to see like people in costumes and all amped up and so my mom because it was during the pandemic, she worked with what she had and she dressed her and Tom up as their cats, which she also got during the <laughs> pandemic because she was home alone for too long. And so she started collecting pets. And, sure, as we all do. And somehow she was able to very perfectly make costumes that looked exactly like these animals. Oh, my God. She dressed up, her and Tom dressed up for their interview and they had a bunch of interviews. It wasn't just like this woman like just got her on the show. It was like a normal casting situation wow. where they had like four or five interviews over the weeks where they had to be, I don't know if they had to be dressed up yet, but my mom was like not allowing them to not get on. Let's make a deal. just a cat the whole time. She, every time she would send me pictures of her in these, in her cat costume with like full makeup, Holy crap, like, like little paws and everything. 
And she kept saying, like, I have another interview with Let's Make a Deal. And I have a feeling no one else interviewing at that early on was in <laughs> costume. Yeah, but she made it. She made it. Her and Tom, they are, they're going to be on the show. And I can't tell you how far they get or if they win or if they lose or anything like that. But um, it will be out soon. So Okay, well, we'll definitely have to post about that because I'm excited. Um, as someone who attended the original event, I'm excited <laughs> to watch it from inside my home in safety and no costume. Without having to stand in a, in a casting line for eight oh, hours. What a nightmare for any L.A. resident. Really, what a nightmare. If you, um, if you happen to have someone who lives in L.A., don't ever ask them to take you to a them, TV please. taping because it's it's the thing we hate the most is going to nightmare. TV tapings. It sounds fun and it is as a one-off, but... It just becomes so unfun. I know that sounds so jaded, but like it's like eight to ten hours. Yeah. And without your phone, they take your phone. They like because they don't want any spoilers or anything. So you just sit. You get on one bus, go to another bus, go to another bus. You just sit it's in like lines. It's like never air conditioned. It's just no. nightmare. It's just it takes literally minimum four to five hours to even get into the studio. And then the taping is always longer than what oh. you see on TV. So you sit in this like on the set for hours not being able to do anything until the cameras are on it sounds so la douchey but i'm just giving you advice please don't ask your if loved you ones visit, <laughs> by all means go ahead and do it because i'm sure it'd be a fun experience but once you do one you're like oh i see this is not as fun as it sounds my my mom when her and tom came to visit la for the first time she planned like three tv oh. tapings and I was like, I love you, but I'm not going to all those with you. Too much. <laughs> it's like, too much. I'll go to Let's Make a Deal. And then I'm, I literally didn't call out of work. I went, I went to work instead. And you went with my mom to the table. My brother went. Oh, my brother and I went. <laughs> That's right. My brother and I went. Yeah. yeah we were such suckers. Get falling into your little trap. And that was very um, nice of you to, to take care of my mom and take her to the TV taping. I appreciate that. I blacked that. it all out. Don't worry. <laughs> By now, you've probably heard about Burrow, a new kind of furniture company known for timeless designs, durable materials, and details that make life in your space easier. Last year, they brought their expertise outside with the launch of their outdoor line, which I love, and now they're adding more must-have pieces to the collection. For example, Dunes offers seating, dining, and lounger options, while Scout is a new folding chair upholstered in a chic woven fabric. And I think I'm going to get two of those for the balcony. Blaze and I love to sit out there in the evenings after Leona goes to bed. And I love the idea of having a good-looking but also extremely useful and comfy place to sit outside. Made of durable materials made for all seasons, weather-resistant teak, stainless alloy, and quick-dry stain-resistant cushions with easy assembly and disassembly this is the perfect thing for your outdoor space they also just launched a new standing desk co-pilot with adjustable height a durable scratch resistant body with built-in storage to make working at home easier than ever i'm in the market for a new desk um so this is definitely going to be my next bookmark and of course there's burrow's legacy seating collections like the nomad and range now available in new colors and m and i that's like the only piece of furniture i think we actually share is our burrow sofa in the podcast department love that thing and that's why we drink listeners can get 15% off their first order at burrow.com slash drink. That's burrow, B-U-R-R-O-W.com slash drink for 15% off. Burrow.com slash drink. It feels very fitting that Juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh, because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy, we're happy. But because we're not mind readers, we don't always know when they're unwell. And in my experience, cats are not the most, you know, open when it comes to sharing their woes. And there goes Junie, literally jumped right off me. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra-absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell, thank God. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. 
Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze, because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues. And Pretty Litter ships free right to your door in a small, lightweight bag. Pretty Litter has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room, and so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus, we can rest easy knowing that Juniper and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash ATWWD, code ATWWD to save 20%. prettylitter.com slash ATWWD, code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Here is, this is um, some lore and uh, some Canadian lore. Okay. Um, this is the story of the headless nun. Ooh, what? Okay. Um, and this is a super fast story, just so everyone knows. So, um, I'm trying to break even with all the QAnon stuff from a few weeks ago. <laughs> it's gonna take us a few years, but we'll get there. We'll eventually. get there. Uh, so this uh, the story begins in the mid 18th century. We know it well. I think it was definitely know it well. The what was it? I think 1750-ish? And it was in uh, Nova Scotia. Um, apparently in this area, there were the British and the French were fighting over land, which, by the way, did not belong to them to begin with, but okay. Um, and they, the French people at the time, this at least this subset of, of French people were called the Acadians. I hope I'm saying that right. Acadians? Acadians? I think it's Acadians. The Acadians... Who became Canadians? I don't know. <laughs> Aww, that's a fun little ditty. It is. I don't know if it's true, but it feels right. Um, but so in 1756, eventually, as they were, as the British and French were fighting over this land, the Acadians or the French were driven out of Nova Scotia by the British, and they basically all fled to Quebec. But there were a few of them who ended up going to New Brunswick. Um, New Brunswick, by the way, is the part of Canada I'm currently obsessed with. It it, oh. it, it varies, um, but I'm really into like the f- the most eastern tip <laughs> of uh, of Canada right now. Interesting. So I've been planning my fake Canada trip to New Brunswick lately. So anyway, so about 3,500 of them went to uh, northern New Brunswick, and they stayed in a town called Miramichi. Apparently, Miramichi is it translates to micmac land so in the town miramichi i guess there were indigenous people called the mantagne mantagne and they called it the micmac land because they hated micmacs and they were calling it the land of bad people basically what are micmacs there were it was a whole other uh tribe or, or oh group, i see or okay group of indigenous. i don't know i don't totally know what their what the term is just a different is. group of a different group folks yeah and so there was the Mantagne and the Micmacs. Got and it. The Mitagne or Mitagne, they called Miramichi the Micmac land because it translated to the land of bad people because apparently they didn't like the Micmacs. <laughs> and it was like them just like, let's okay. name a town while love also it. roasting the people we don't like. I love that. Okay. And so the Acadians who went to Miramichi, who ended up in this area, they made a fort um, to fend off any others of the British that were to come and try to fight them. Uh, The place where this fort, where they built this fort, is called French Fort Cove, and it's now a park that you can go to. Fun fact. Um, So it still exists. 
And the fort had the reason that a lot of the Acadians were afraid that the British would find them in Miramichi and attack this fort is because around this area, there was a lot of timber. And so they thought the British would try to take over the land and then take the resources for whatever they wanted to use it. So the French settlers who went there and built this fort, not only were they dealing with the British trying to find them and fight them and take their resources, but they were also dealing with the fact that they didn't have a lot to eat. And apparently there was an outbreak of leprosy. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's a double whammy there. Yeah. So no eating, leprosy, and also the British keep trying to kill you. Woof. So to try and contain the spread, the people who had leprosy were uh, exiled to a nearby island called Sheldrake Island. Just to, like, put them somewhere, I guess. Yikes. Um, and hearing what was going on uh, in this near this fort with all the leprosy and people dying and needing help there was a nun and this nun wanted to go help the people in miramichi um her name was sister marie Inkanu, um and she wanted to help those who sought refugee and there is one historian who claims that Inkanu was actually latin for unknown so mm. it either means that her last name was literally unknown or <laughs> that she has an unknown last name Right, that they just call her that, like a Jane Doe type situation. Exactly, exactly. Right. And a lot of people, uh, <laughs> there's actually, I did see this one website where someone tried to make the joke. I think she's like a mom or like, <laughs> or God a, forbid. <laughs> or like, I mean, it just feels like a mom, it feels like a mom joke that like on their blog, they tried to make a joke of someone asking like what the nun's name was and someone saying unknown what unknown what like it was... oh like a like a um three stooges uh-huh. scenario yeah who's on first yeah okay. it was it was i just was like okay well, that's i appreciate the attempt um <laughs> do you i i know it exists let's put it that way we acknowledge its existence <laughs> but anyway that's a, apparently a joke at least one person has made and now two because i'm saying it yeah wow i love that love it um so sister marie so i don't know by the way if sister marie Inconu actually is just basically latin for jane doe basically because marie is also a super common name yeah especially um, for for nuns catholic nuns yeah yeah, I don't know. So Sister Marie, they, according to the lore at least, uh, she was probably born in northern France. And she, I don't know why, but they, the story goes that she was the youngest daughter in the family. And apparently at the time, if you were the youngest daughter, you were expected to go be in a convent and like become a nun. <laughs> also, I feel like that's rough because how do you know? Because what if you get pregnant again? And you're right. Like, well, shit. I thought we already sent the youngest to the convent. Now what? We got to send another one? Every daughter ends up in a convent, apparently, I guess. Because you're like, you're currently the I, youngest. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, that's probably actually a pretty solid plan if you're trying to send everybody. Yeah. It's like, oh, the- you're, you're the youngest for now. We're not going to tell you we're pregnant. But it's a technicality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I don't know how true that is. I think that might just be part of the lore. But anyway, so... Strangely, I feel like I've heard that before, that like the youngest goes away to a convent. I I feel like I've heard that before. I just never really processed what that meant as far as like the youngest for now. If that's true, I wonder historically like why? Like what you're trying to protect your 
your youngest you virginal just, child. Oh, maybe. Or maybe you're just like, listen, I'm married off the rest. I'm just too tired to find you a husband. Go <laughs> I, to the I have nunnery. No, I have no more funds for dowry. This is <laughs> No sh- more dowry. That could be it. Because like the youngest daughter, I feel like you're kind of screwed, right? If yeah. there are multiple siblings who are either boys or uh, older girls. Because, yeah. wow, you're kind of shit out of luck. Yeah, just that's fl- probably it. Floating around. So this is my historic. This is our historic research. This is why we don't actually get PhDs in uh, history. We just kind of make shit up. That's the reason why we don't have a PhD. Yes, that's the only reason. <laughs> so uh, Sister Marie, uh, I guess, went to the convent. I guess she was the youngest daughter, and she began to hear the stories about what was going on with the Acadians. And she begged her convent to assign her as a missionary sister <laughs> and go- to go help them. So in 1750, she left for Quebec, and in 1756, uh, she ended up moving to Miramichi. Um, She moved to a community on Miramichi called Le Camp d'Esperance. Whoa. uh, (laughs) Beautiful. Thank you. Uh, So in in this community, she became, like, a huge... uh, value to people i mean people really really loved her and so one of the responsibilities they gave her was in case the british ever came back all of the women wanted to make sure that their jewelry and everything was safe and so they gave everything to sister marie to protect in the event that this were a grift this would be a good grift because you could just say (laughs) well i'm a nun let me watch your valuables Uh, exactly If you're a grifter, like run out if, of town. If you're out there and and you happen to be a grifter, this is this is the Listen, job for you. All you have to do, put on a habit, and then when someone <laughs> says, "What's your name?" be like, Jane. Uh huh. Doe. Doe. Uh-huh. And then ask everyone for their pearls. Ask anyone who's maybe coughing a little bit for their, right. their pearls, just for safekeeping. If they're coughing or hungry or like their husband is out at war, just just say, you know what. I have some empty hands that can hold things important to you. And I'll... I have a large cloak that I could hide some stuff in. <laughs> and With lots also... of pockets. They're already filled. Don't look It's don't like look a cargo, at them. cargo habit, a cargo <laughs> cloak. And I will say, uh, you may risk contracting leprosy, but that's part of the gig. Okay. That's, that's you know, part of it. Half the fun. I, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I have always wanted one of those cargo. One of those jackets where you trench have a, coats. Trench coats where you have a million Cargo pockets. Coat. Yeah, trench there. coat. That's like what uh, perverts wear. But yeah, in 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 stereotypical. I would have. Di- I had a trench coat growing up. I would it have was... different intentions than like a flasher. But yeah, yeah, yeah. The fact that there's so many pockets. Why wouldn't you at least want one? You know. I don't think there are pockets. I think people just like pin shit to the inside, right? Or, or oh. pockets. See, I always literally just took the comic. Maybe there are pockets and I'm just like, because I had a trench coat and definitely didn't have. You know what I did is I fl- I pretended to flash my friend. Listen, it's a whole thing. Don't worry about it. I pretended to flash my friend. And then uh, the, the other friend took a photo and then we <laughs> wrote, ex- and then we wrote, expose yourself to art. Never mind. We thought it was clever. <laughs> it is. We a- thought it was really clever. <laughs> it is original i will acknowledge that it exists let's put it that way <laughs> oh no i'm the unfunny mom Help. no okay it, uh. it is hysterical it's a, it's very on the nose it's on the tip if you will it's it's basically what i did when i was 16 and everyone else was drinking beer this is how i spent my my time so that is i would that answers i would that like a everybody. copy of that picture if you've got I have one. it actually i can we could post it on instagram can, can we print th- <laughs> can we print that as a canvas option because i <laughs> What's uh? What's our uh, canvas uh, sponsor? 
uh, I don't remember anymore. We haven't worked with them in a while. Shoot, it's been a while. What's well, wrong? Thank with me? God for them. They're probably like, get out. I don't <laughs> even want. Like, we had a bad feeling. We pulled. We pulled out before you guys got to this point of the. Podcast. I would like it to look artsy, like as like a a nod to the fact that like we're watercolor. Sh- yeah, like like an oil painting, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe some stipple. Oh sure, you got stipple it. Some yeah. cross hatching. Um. <laughs> But yeah, if you could if you could send me one of those, that would be super great. I'd like to be exposed to art, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I I will ex- I will certainly expose you to art. So just just wait. Yeah. I'll expose you like a You're... monsoon in my oh bathroom. My It'll be that powerful. <laughs> that's really saying. Something. Whoever handles the out of the and that's why I drink out of context. Please write. <laughs> I will expose oh, no. you to my monsoon in the bathroom. <laughs> very powerful um okay i'm sorry c- c- tell me about the nun i'm gonna stop talking about grifters and perverts all i just wanted to say was like i really took that the comic literally where you would see someone like like who was who like sells you a bunch of watches, watches out of, yeah. out of their, they just had hundreds in there and i was like wow so many pockets it's pretty cool if someone could just make me a trench coat full of 100 pockets of watches that'd be a great. creepy coat yeah in a, a much more literal sense a creepy coat and on the inside uh, more pockets it's so many pockets it's scary yeah okay. well also because you're you'd be kind of a a big creep but it's it, yeah. it all works it it all molds it's, it's a like double entendre so many layers are happening right now so layered um anyway leprosy um <laughs> sorry you told me this is a short story and i took that to mean <laughs> why don't you ruin it <laughs> we do tell whenever we do tell each other like hey we've got a short story feel free to banter we should not give each other that it's license anymore dangerous license to give um nope. okay so anyway she was as much as we just totally made fun of her she actually was super fundamental to the community oh not a grifter not a grifter not a pervert not exposing anyone <laughs> to anything except love Aww. And uh, the exact opposite of the person we just described, actually. Yes, that was me putting myself in that position, Chris- to be clear. Christine is the exact opposite of Sister Murray. Um, Sister Christine would be problematic <laughs> for sure, so don't worry. It's not Marie's fault. I feel like if I met a Sister Christine, I'd be like, she already oh, sounds fuck. fun. She already sa- She has a flask in her pocket, certainly, <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> it, she has, in her Bible, there's a carved out space for a flask. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so... She she, yeah, so everyone loved her and they gave her all of their treasures uh, because they genuinely did trust her. And they only trusted her and one other person in town with this role. Um, and the other woman died of scurvy. And so it was just mm-hmm. Sister Marie who knew exactly where um, all this treasure was because her and the woman who died from scurvy, they decided that they were going to hide all of the treasure by burying it somewhere. And they were <gasps> never going to tell anyone the location. Oh, shit. And then the woman died. And so Sister Marie was the only person left who knew the location of this treasure. Oh, no. And then let's remember that the story is called The Headless Nun. Oh, I didn't forget. <laughs> Don't worry. So she becomes headless um, because one day she was walking home from work uh, and she basically got robbed and murdered oh no so there's different accounts where it was either two people who had escaped from sheldrake island and they were because they were people with leprosy and they were trying they like heard about her somehow knowing where all the treasure was and they thought if we rob her we can get enough money to like flee and like get out of town um, another version of that is instead of it being two people from sheldrake island with leprosy it was two sailors with scurvy and then there's another account where it's just like a random person in the woods just 
found her and wanted whatever she had on her. Um, okay. Whatever the case was, um, she said no. She wasn't going to help them rob her. And <laughs> I'm not going to help you rob me, actually. <laughs> you have to put in all the work here, okay? Yeah, I'm just going to sit down. Um, so anyway, she she refused to give them anything, and uh, the person or people uh, cut her head off. <gasps> I mean, I knew that was coming, but, like, startling still. Yeah, really it was uh they if it's the sailor story then they use a sword and just like with one slash oh, got her um i also think the story that had to do with like the two people with leprosy that it was like they just had knives on them but apparently oh. they hit her they cut her throat so hard her head just immediately <gasps> was severed which i don't know if you can physically do that with a knife can you it doesn't matter it, and it's also lore i don't think i don't know if this actually happened Maybe exaggerated or yeah, may, fingers crossed this never actually happened and this is just like a random spooky tale you tell people in Canada. Yeah. So fingers crossed this never happened to somebody. But anyway, so her, the, the next part is that they either took her head and threw it into the river to keep her from being identified. Mm. Uh, some other versions of the story are that they just ran off with her head in their hands. Ooh. Either way, they removed the head from the situation so that nobody would be able to identify the body. Sure. But I guess people saw her in a nun outfit and they were like, you're probably Sister Marie. So yeah, they were like, able- we know you. Yeah. Uh, they probably realized she wasn't like anywhere to be found and they were, this person Oof. was wearing her clothes. So the body ended up getting sent to France so that, well, they, a bunch of soldiers heading towards the fort ended up discovering her the next morning and then her body was sent to France to be with her family. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means the treasure was never located. Wow. Died with her. Mm-hmm. So today, Sister Marie is still seen as a headless ghost. And uh, there's, again, different versions of this story. Some say that she is there to protect the treasure. Some people say that she's there to find her head. Other, there's another story where she already has her head and she is just trying to bury it with her body. Um, she has been seen throughout the whole area, but she's usually seen next to the bridge where she died. Wow. Which I thought I had the name of that bridge. Oh, Crowbrook Bridge is the, is the name. So apparently, a creepy name already. Yeah. And apparently a bunch of, I don't know if like the name came after the scenario or the scenario came after the name, but it happens to be Crow Brook Bridge, and a bunch of crows are seen gathering at sunset. So it's all bad. Yeah, no, thank you. No, and let's remember a group of crows is called a murder. Ex- precisely, precisely. Um, I don't know why. By the way, why did like zoologists or whoever give every animal a different name for their group? It's it's, it's really kind of rude. A rude practical joke, if that's what they're pulling. Can we just say a group? of birds a group of fish <laughs> a group i mean everything's got to have its own damn name i mean you can kind of probably say whatever but probably um, like I, I could say a gaggle of crows if i wanted a school of makes crows them sound way more silly and lighthearted than a murder of them <laughs> yes explore new possibilities pleasure zones and find your vibe at funlove.com Funlove.com is a leading online retailer of sensual health and wellness products, offering a wide array of premier brands of toys, lingerie, and accessories. I know I've talked about it before, but we received the most lovely gift basket from Funlove. First of all, I didn't know what it was at first, and then when I pulled out 
a vibrator, I thought, oh boy, this is not your everyday fruit basket. There was everything, I'm telling you, from sexy perfumes to toys to vibrators to lube. I mean, I gotta say, it's like a one-stop shop, okay? If you go to funlove.com and you're looking for maybe a romantic evening, either with a loved one or with yourself, they've got what you're looking for, I can promise you. So what are you waiting for? Explore, discover, indulge, and make love fun by visiting funlove.com. And if you live in Arizona or Colorado, check out one of their 18 store locations. Hey, maybe I'll stop by when I'm in town. And for a limited time, you can save 30% off your first order when you use the code DRINK at funlove.com. Head to funlove.com today and use code DRINK at checkout to save 30% off your first order. Visit funlove.com today. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Everyone knows the holidays can take a toll on your bank account. If you're looking for creative ways to increase revenue, then get started with Squarespace's new feature, Squarespace Courses. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with the powerful built-in Fluid Engine Editor. With Squarespace Courses, you can create engaging content your audience will love, then simply add a paywall and set the price. Plus, you can charge a one-time fee or sell subscriptions. Turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to www.squarespace.com drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So anyway, uh, this, this bridge happens to be where she ran into these robbers and died. And so that's where people most often have experiences with her. Um, legend has it, if you see her at the bridge, this is a, a weird take on the account, but maybe my favorite one, where people say that they have seen her and she will offer you a thousand guineas to help her find her head. Apparently, nice. a thousand guineas in 1756 when she died is equivalent to like almost $220,000 today. Holy shit. So... I would sure like to help you find your head or your body well, how or does, something. Can I ask like kind of a gruesome question, but how does she offer that if she doesn't have a head? <laughs> I don't know. But there are some people who say that they see her holding her own head and are like, either she's completely headless looking for her head or she's holding her head and looking for oh, her dear. body or she's holding her head hoping you'll help her find the treasure. I mean, it's it's always a different form of you okay. know, its own lore. And also, I don't know scientifically how that would work either, but whatever. Um, So in the blog called Dark Hauntings, here is a quote about uh, what people experience with the Headless Nun. People have reported a powerful feeling of being watched and studied by an unseen force on the bridge that she is said to haunt. Ghostly voices have been heard in the wind and an uncomfortable feeling of being followed and stalked in the woods past the bridge, which is where it is believed Sister Marie was killed. Visitors to the area have claimed they were approached by Sister Marie's spirit late at night, asking them to help her find her head. Others believe she has found her head and carries it in her arm, asking them to bury it with her body. The presence is very active in both day and night, but but becomes stronger upon sunset. Um, And apparently she will only come forward to those who she thinks would help her. So basically, if you're a people pleaser, you're shit out of luck. <laughs> yeah, we're screwed. Em. If we showed up, we'd be like, well, oh, this is awkward. I guess we have no way of saying no. It's like, I already felt 
like kind of obligated but now that you're offering me money okay i guess uh two two birds one stone here <sighs> so the upper end of the french fort cove which you can still go to today is said to be also heavily active because not only do you see sister marie here sometimes but you can still hear ghostly sounds of cannons um Ooh. from when they were fighting the british there was one documentary that mentioned the headless nun or a few different uh stories of the headless nun where one treasure hunter heard about sister marie's treasure and went looking for it and when he found where he thought the treasure might be he like hit something solid in the ground with his shovel and then he got pushed and when he <gasps> fell to the ground and looked up he saw the headless nun hovering <gasps> over him oh geez she's still protecting it yeah and and i guess that wasn't enough because the next morning in his hotel room he died oh shit yeah they found him dead they say it was a heart attack but people like to link the two things together um in the 1920s there was apparently a mailman who was trying to cross the bridge with his horse but the horse refused to go near it and so the next day the guy went to go check it out and see what was going on there that might have spooked him and he just saw two footprints standing in the middle of the entrance of the bridge with no other footprints that would suggest someone was it so like in the snow or something it was like in the dirt and there was like oh 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 but yeah so that's very less less scary <laughs> Uh, and then also there was a group of tourists once who were crossing the bridge and one of the guys felt someone kind of like tap him on the head, Ugh. uh, apparently tap him on the head. He said it felt like fingers and he got tapped three times. Um, and when he turned around, he saw the headless nun and the next day, the spot where his head got tapped on the hair had turned white. Whoa, that's not good. Yeah. And then the lore goes further on to say that he like went mad or something like that oh, so geez what i feel like this nun's suddenly getting very i know aggressive. so aggressive i feel like the like there's a, a huge gamut like a very wide gamut yeah. for like the stories here because it sounds like she's was a lovely person in life and she just wants someone to help her find her fucking head or her body or the treasure or like put it to rest or something she just wants closure and she never did anything wrong and then all these other like random stories come out where like she's killing people it like sounds really out of sorts yeah she's like cursing people who are just crossing the bridge they're not even like what is that noise that you're that's that hail? hail that's the hail oh my gosh you guys earlier we were talking before the recording and eva made a face like she was about to get stabbed and i was like well good thing we're recording this for the police and then uh she screamed it's hailing and then she disappeared and came back and said i tried to get you a hail and <laughs> <laughs> we were like thank you eva and uh so now em Emothy, it's hailing on you now huh i know well it sounded to me like that the door was opening and i was gonna tell allison like get out i'm recording but it was i literally was like your cat's coming in and i was like shit you don't have a <laughs> it sounded like a cat was trying to get in the door <laughs> Oh, it seems like it passed really quickly. That was the whole that thing. That was loud, though. Um, it was loud, yikes. and now it's gone. Did you get me a hail, though? Uh, in spirit, but no. Oh, I couldn't my. leave. I couldn't leave. I didn't have enough time. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, so I, it sounds really wild that like she went from being like really like loved and respected and trusted by a whole community, and now she's like killing people. So I think for just crossing the bridge, it's not like they were like trying to find the treasure. It was like yeah. they were just <laughs> taking a walk. <laughs> yeah, so it feels like the stories have just really like gotten hyped up, and it's very yeah, honest. yeah, yeah. Or also like not to like put her in a category here, but like there's I'm sure the headless nun. It feels like kind of a broad story, so. Maybe when you hear about the headless nun, you know, you might not always be talking about the same ghosts. It's just like, oh, the other headless nun. The There's other so many headless nuns that we started calling them incognito or whatever, sister incognito. <laughs> um, but yeah, like for all I know, it could just be like another like 
people could be just mix and matching stories from all their own hometowns or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. It just, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me why yeah. her, her story would be so wide in, in variety. So yeah. there's one, uh, there was one guy who talked about his experience with the headless nun. His name was Mark Robert Allen Steves. Um, he said he once went to the cove looking for the treasure or to like find the nun with his friend and he found like a really old cloth and then he got stuck in quicksand and it's, it felt more like a, like an adventure tale. And then, <laughs> uh, the next time he went back to the cove, he, while in the cove or while near the cove, looked out and saw a guy having a fire, a campfire. They, he saw two people out by a fire and one of them was sleeping, but he was sleeping really close to the fire where his clothes looked like they were almost going to catch on fire. And yeah. so he sprinted at them and pushed the guy away from the flames and woke him up and was like, where's that other person that was with you? And he said, oh, I've been here alone. And apparently he Ooh. remembers that that second figure almost like, you know, either allowing this to happen or or it, it felt like the story was implying that this guy was like asleep or like in a trance and couldn't be woken up because the second figure was like having him catch on fire. Was rolling him into the right. campfire. <laughs> Slowly pushing him closer oh, to the flames. Okay. <laughs> but so then that's another thing where it's like, okay, so that's like apparently the sinister headless nun. But I just was trying to give... Where's that person who was with you who was dressed like a nun and also didn't have the head? Where did she go? I thought she was your friend. Who was dragging you by the collar right into the flames. Who was like rolling your body into a live fire. Yeah. So uh, anyway, so there's a, a lot of stories about the headless nun. Most of them are just that you see her at the bridge and she either asks you to help her. Apparently someone has at least once been offered money. Um, what do you do? Like, do you, like, if you say no, is she going to give you a heart attack or like i don't know i I feel like you're screwed either way or if she says you say yes i would like to think if you say yes then like you blink and all of a sudden she's not there or something yeah that's what i'd like to think as well i would like it to be like a really tame story like that where it's like oh i agreed to help and then she left me alone you know yeah yeah i would feel like that's probably most of it i would also imagine near this bridge there's a lot of teenagers who go there and swear they saw a shadow where their car doesn't start or they hear crying or you know just a murder like of crows. <laughs> a murder of crows come flying in all at once. Um, but anyway, you can still go to this park, um, the French Fort Cove. They do have a Headless Nun tour. Oh, okay. And uh, this is a, a little nod to Beach You Sandy, but here's a review for you. Oh, um, okay. From Sandy M, who says, great tour with some very good acting. So apparently there's actors on this tour. Oh, shit. A headless non-actor. Now that is quite a role to play. Uh, may Maybe somewhat frightening for children as the cove is very dark and people jump out of the dark areas. Great value as the cost was only $10 per person and you get a tiny souvenir flashlight. That's cute. <laughs> uh, it would be, yeah, I, it's kind. I like that I'm getting a freebie out of $10 worth of a tour. I'm, I'm wondering right. the quality of this tour for it's only be 10 bucks and they're pay- also paying you in flashlights, you know? <laughs> um, anyway, so there's the, I'm just going to end on an excerpt from a poem by Doug Underhill about the headless nun. Um, and this little, this line says, she won't hurt you. She's just alone. She's just asking, make my body whole. Which is sad, but also goes completely against all of these scary stories I just told you. Like she she, won't hurt you. It's like I beg to fucking differ. Apparently, well, I don't beg to differ, but a lot of people sure would. Apparently, people are having heart attacks and shit. So, 
I would say that all of the more elaborate stories are not very uh, on par. Or if they are, it's a different Headless Nun that has been misconstrued with this one. Um, because it sounds like this one's just very lovely and you happen to just walk by her every now and then. And maybe she has a head, maybe she doesn't, but we love her no matter what. That's... Maybe she thinks that you're the one who beheaded her. Mm. She's getting her vengeance. I'm surprised that storyline didn't come up in all of this, that she's like looking for the person who hurt her. But yeah. I guess if she's not a vengeful ghost, then that would dismiss that too, but then also dismiss the heart attack and all that. Mm. Yeah, that's rough, man. I mean, and you know what would be really rough is if you were, you recovered from your leprosy and you were like, I'm ready for all my pearls. And then it's like, uh, <laughs> awkward. We uh, actually, I hope uh, you had insurance because yeah. <laughs> they're under the ground somewhere. <laughs> So apparently this uh, this treasure is still out there, though. So if you happen to be someone who doesn't mind pissing off a very kind ghost, I guess you could go find it. But please don't, because apparently... Just don't. Don't start digging in random places that you're not supposed to be digging. Well, that's that number one. And number two, also, <laughs> we don't want anyone to accidentally die on our watch because no. a ghost might get you, you know? Yeah, but that's definitely a big reason. I just, I know I talked about how I love my metal detector and oh, we had right. a few people saying like hey just so you know like people shouldn't be metal detecting in public places oh. that's, you know that's where uh, archaeologists and people who are meant to study history should be taking the reins which i understand then let me let me re retry this if you're an archaeologist and you happen to be <laughs> near the french fort cove um a there, risky archaeologist if you have a yeah, if you have an, an adrenaline rush that needs uh, that you're trying to pull out of yourself, maybe go. Satiate. Yeah, maybe a, a thirst you need quenched. Maybe go uh, go digging around French Fort Cove and see what happens. And say it's all for science. It's all for science, all for history. So we get ten percent, please. Thank and that's you. that's the story of the headless nun. So wow. That was fun. Um, I I didn't expect that when you said lore. I thought we were gonna go with like a. Uh, a uh a cryptid or something so i was pleasantly surprised it's no it was, ghosty instead. you know what's weird is like it's for i don't know why but in my head lore and ghost stories are sometimes completely different and sometimes exactly the same thing and like, yeah i can see that and her lore it's like a story how you become a ghost and all this yeah it felt like it was a ghost story that happened to be part of an urban legend or something right right because you don't know if the history is actually real for all yeah. we know, this literally, there really was like a, a nun who, I guess, by their standards at that time, it was called, it was basically Jane Doe, but it was Marie Inconu. And uh, there could have very well been a Jane Doe nun who got killed one day. Oof, and they yeah. just made a story about it. So I don't know. Yeah. If, I don't know how real it is. I don't know. I just imagine a bunch of teenagers use that to like scare their little siblings now or something. And a bunch of grown-ass adults use it to scare each other like us. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It works. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, I have a story for you today. This is the story. It's pretty disturbing, so I apologize in advance. But it's the story of Savannah LaFontaine Greywind. And we hmm. are headed to North Dakota. Oh, North Dakota. Have we ever I been? I know. Have we ever been to North Dakota? I don't remember. This I don't This is a either. story in Fargo, so I'm not sure if we've been to Fargo. Um. Also never watched the series, watched the movie, but never watched the series. So I uh, feel kind of bad about that because it's supposed to be good. Uh, humble brag, I worked on the series. Oh, did you watch it? <laughs> I did watch it, but I also watched it for work. <laughs> so oh, 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 not, oh. not because yeah. I was at home. Yeah, that was like, if my brother mentioned this the other day where, sorry to bring the office in again, but when someone, when Pam was like, have you read this book? And he's like, read it, I own it. But no, I've never <laughs> read it. <laughs> 
Yeah. Okay. I worked on it. <laughs> I worked on it. So that should be enough for you. But no, I've never watched. I've never sat down with a bowl of popcorn and watched it. Oh, my brother says it's very good. So I'm just going to trust him on that. So um, we are going back to 2017. So not even that long ago. It's a summer day, August 27th. 2017 around 5 45 p.m on the red river of the north which is a river that forms the border of north dakota and minnesota and empties into lake winnipeg in canada two kayakers are out on the red paddling the red is you know what they call it mm-hmm. when they spot a strange looking object bobbing several meters away Rut row it appears to be hooked onto a log so the pair decide to get a better glimpse of what this object could be uh-oh Uh Uh-oh. They paddle over and immediately notice it's not an object at all. It is, unfortunately, a body tightly Mm. wrapped in plastic and duct tape. Fuck. Yes, indeed. So, obviously, call law enforcement. They pull the body from the river around 8.20 p.m., and the body was soon identified to be 22-year-old mother-to-be Savannah LaFontaine. Mother-to-be. I know. That becomes a focal point of the story, so that's another warning. I will warn you guys um, when we get closer to kind of the more disturbing aspects of the story, but – and it's not, like, super in-depth or anything, but it's pretty – I'll tell you when we get there, but – okay. So she had first been reported missing uh, eight days earlier on Saturday, August 19th. And I want to say at this point that I wanted to mention, shout out a little podcast that I found called Wounded, a native true crime podcast. And I listened to their coverage of the story. It was so well done. And I was, it. I just really, really, I, I found the host very endearing and I really enjoyed the show. So I went to follow them on Instagram and they took a hiatus, like they went on hiatus Aww. like last week and we're like, oh, for the... <laughs> indefinite future we're going on and i was like no i just found you so just shout out i really like their show um it's called wounded a native true crime podcast so they did a great job covering this just want to give a shout out before i continue so um savannah had been reported missing eight days earlier on august 19th uh if this tragedy hadn't happened the following months as you kind of noted uh were going to be life-changing for savannah and her family Mm. She had been living with her parents and brother in a basement apartment in Fargo, and she was about to move into her own apartment with her boyfriend, Ashton. Uh, He was her high school sweetheart. They'd been dating for seven years and were very close, but he uh, worked out of state or out of town. And so um, they were finally going to be able to live together. And on top of that, in four weeks, they would be welcoming their first child to the world. So in other words, she was eight months pregnant. Yikes. Okay. Yes. Sorry, so, I'm just so, not yikes that she's pregnant, but like, no, yikes it just that, makes like, the story that much more yeah, disturbing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, like she was like, like that was a full ass baby. Yeah, eight months is very far along. So, uh, from what I know of the mothering world, um, so Savannah had also recently been given a job as a nursing assistant. She was hoping to fully qualify as a nurse specializing in elder care soon. So basically, just one of these tragic stories where. Her life was just picking up steam and she was, you know, getting in the career she wanted. She had a steady boyfriend, had a, was starting a family, just all very tragic, tragic. Yeah, yeah. So Savannah, her family and her boyfriend were members of the Spirit Lake Sioux tribe. And according to the Spirit Lake Nation website in 2014, the tribe had 7,256 members. Savannah was extremely close with her family, and she was only moving out of her parents' apartment to have more space for her and Ashton to raise their daughter. So this was kind of cute. I learned this from the Wounded podcast. I guess her parents moved with her. So after high school, she moved to Fargo. 
And her parents went with her. Her family went with her, which I just thought was so cute that they were that close that, that is really when she sweet. moved and got pregnant, they were like, we'll come too, um, which I think is very... Can you, can you imagine, though, if you like happen to be someone who was trying to get away from your parents? It, it, right. There are <laughs> specific circumstances. <laughs> like, oh, we'll just come too. And it's like, no, 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 no. That was... The... I'm moving out of state. <laughs> yeah. But no, Valid that's point. very sweet, very sweet of them. Not all of us can say how pleased we would be in that scenario necessarily. <laughs> Um, but I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. But for them, it was a very, um, like a loving, supportive move rather than like yeah. a clingy helicopter. Move. <laughs> like if, like my mom, she would be if like, Linda showed up in Burbank. You know, I think, I thank God for Tom all the time because I'm pretty sure if my mom were still single, she would have <laughs> yeah. absolutely moved to LA to be with me. And I'd be like, she would have married Wayne Brady after that. Let's make a deal episode <laughs> and move to Burbank. You would be screwed. She'd have been like, let's make another deal. Um, <laughs> God, in her bucket. <laughs> Sometimes I think about that bucket and it just makes me so happy. Uh, anyway, sorry. This is just such a tangent off of um. Oh my god, yeah, I'm a sorry. A very disturbing story. Uh, so to get back to what is happening here, so Savannah um was living with her family and was going to be moving out soon to have uh, more space for her and Ashton to raise their daughter. They, like I said, her family had followed her to Fargo when she moved after high school. And so I just want to describe their apartment complex real quick. So it's, it was more of like a house type of building. It wasn't like a big complex. It was sort of like a multi-family house. Okay. Um, so the apartment above the La Fontaine Greywinds apartment, it was like kind of catty corner, was occupied by 38-year-old Brooke Cruz and 32-year-old William Hone. They were a white couple who had begun dating in 2014 and had moved to this apartment in 2016, and they were known throughout the complex as being that couple who was constantly fighting, constantly mm. screaming, like constantly getting in these physical altercations and shouting matches. What? <laughs> My neighbor's upstairs. <laughs> oh, I thought you were telling me to be quiet. I was like, no, sorry. <laughs> I was thinking like, oh, that 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 couple in the complex. Oh, we okay. all know. We all know one of those yep. loud, loud uh, neighbors. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. So they were known as that couple. Um, their their shouting matches sometimes like <laughs> shook the ceilings. That sounds familiar <laughs> from your experience. Sure does. <laughs> um, so in fact, not long after they moved in, William pleaded guilty to assaulting Brooke um, after throwing her in the bathtub. The court ordered that William have no more contact with Brooke, but six months later, police responded to a disturbance report and found William in the apartment, so he was charged with violating the no-contact order. So they just had a very toxic, hostile, violent relationship is basically the moral of the story so far. Um, So Brooke and William had several run-ins with the law separately before they had actually met. So both had had a long string of partners before meeting, and with these respective partners, Brooke had seven children and William had two, and neither of them had any contact with their kids from previous relationships. Okay. Uh, they were known as just not being supportive of their children, their par- their previous partners. Brooke had been sued repeatedly for not paying child support uh, for any of her seven kids. Mm. And so just very not well respected members of the community i would say not pillars uh, not pillars. not pillars yeah uh gotcha. not in the not in the hmm, pillars i am well well yeah pillars i feel like usually means a, a bad thing in general in the show but not no you're right they were not known as pillars of the community that's a good point so 
Um, let's see. Savannah and her family didn't know the couple that well. Um, they only saw them around the apartment building in passing and mostly heard them upstairs. That being said, a couple weeks before Savannah was found dead, Brooke had come to their apartment and asked Savannah if she wanted to come smoke weed with her. And Savannah was like, no, thank you. Uh, So I guess Brooke was trying to befriend her. Um, So jumping back to the day that Savannah disappeared, which was August 19th, 2017. There was nothing especially unique about this day to start off with. Uh, It was a warm summer day in the mid-80s. Savannah, who was eight months pregnant at the time, was struggling in the heat So her family had popped out for some reason. I don't know where they were going, but they were just spending the day out of the house and she wanted to stay home, kind of put her feet up and like just be (laughs) home alone for a while. Just veg, yeah. Just veg, um, hopefully with some air conditioning. Mm. And she was home alone and she was startled by a knock on the door. So of course it's Brooke uh, on the other side of the store. She asked Savannah if she could come up later to model a dress she was making for a sewing project. And Brooke says, if you come model this dress for, like, some photos or whatever, uh, I will give you $20. So Savannah's like, sure, I guess I'll do that. Which part of me also, like, red flags at this point because it's like she's eight months pregnant. Like, unless this person is doing maternity wear, which maybe she is, but it's just such a specific, like, can you model this eight months pregnant? Yeah. This dress I'm making, it just seems so. Also, it doesn't sound like they're that close. It just sounds like no, this... they're not. It just sounds like this person keeps knocking on her door and asking for favors or asking like for passing acquaintances at yeah. the most. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of if, like my upstairs neighbors who do nothing but piss me off came downstairs and was like, "Hey, can you model some stuff for us in our apartment? <laughs> yeah. And I'll give you yeah. twenty bucks." I'd be like, "You owe me more than twenty bucks for how fucking annoying you <laughs> for already all are." Of this horrible. But yeah. yeah, and I feel like um, Savannah was one of those people who just was like friendly and you know didn't ever think anything bad of people really um and just you know was just one of those easygoing people who yeah you know this woman said i really need somebody to try this dress on and she's like sure i'll do it um just yeah as a favor basically um or i guess for 20 bucks which again it just throws me off that she was eight months pregnant because i'm like wouldn't you try to find somebody who was eight months pregnant to model your new dress? Unless, again, unless it was a maternity dress, which right. seems like a very specific. And, unless it was a maternity dress. And also, like, do you, like, you couldn't think of any other person to contact before, <laughs> yeah, this, exactly. before a stranger? Yeah. It's a little weird. It's a little weird. Um, So, yeah, it's definitely strange, especially, like you said, they don't know each other that well. So at 1.24 p.m., Savannah texts her mother and her boyfriend, letting them know about her plans to help Brooke. She orders a pizza for lunch to share with a family for when they return. But by the time the pizza arrives, she's already kind of running late. She has to run out the door for this appointment at Brooke's place. So she leaves the pizza cooling on the countertop, runs upstairs to Brooke's apartment. Norberta Graywind, who's Savannah's mother, uh, replied to Savannah's text about helping Brooke, but never heard back. Um, Ashton texted her as well to, to ask more about this and never heard back either. So Norberta continued to text her daughter throughout the after- afternoon, but never received a reply, which was strange because Savannah was not the type to just ignore messages from her family. Right. At the Greywind apartment, Norberta got home and sees the pizza untouched on the counter and is a little bit worried because at this point I'm assuming it's cold and not one slice has been eaten. Um, and Savannah's purse is also in the kitchen. When she checks outside, Savannah's car is still in the lot. So she's a little bit like weirded out, and she sends her son, Savannah's 16-year-old brother, up to apartment 5 to remind Savannah she needs to drive him to work later. But when he goes and knocks on the door, nobody answers. So Mm. Norberta is like, fine, I'll drive you to work. We'll figure this out later. 
So around 4 p.m., they still haven't heard from Savannah, and Norberta starts to get pretty worried. She's like, okay, I understand if the appointment went long, but it's been hours, and we haven't even gotten a text back. So uh, she goes up and knocks on the door herself. And at this point, Brooke answers the door, and Norberta says, where's Savannah? And Brooke says, oh, she left around 2.45 p.m. to go home. Uh, so obviously this is like red flag central for Norberta. She knew that her daughter wouldn't have just like left Brooke's apartment and then like left the building mm-hmm. without her purse or there was no reason for her to leave. And in addition to that, her feet had been really swollen and painful from this pregnancy. And again, it was like in the 80s. She was she if she was going somewhere, she would have driven like if right. she had to go to the grocery store, the bank, whatever. She would have driven and her car was still in the lot. So just extra strange like where would she have walked off to right especially without her purse she didn't have you know a wallet with her so she gets really suspicious norberta does and she obviously doesn't trust the couple living upstairs because of the constant fighting she knows pretty well like this is an unstable couple here um i already don't trust him trust them they're you know constantly having run-ins with the police they're she's a little freaked out already by like the fact that savannah was even at their apartment for some strange reason to begin with and now she's just kind of disappeared so at 4 30 norberta reports her daughter missing to the fargo police officers arrive at the building around 5 p.m and after speaking to norberta they make their way to brooks and williams apartment which obviously was savannah's last known whereabouts Mm. so they search the apartment on august 19th then they come back on the 20th and search the apartment again but neither Savannah nor any clues as to where she could be are found in the apartment. In other words, she had seemingly disappeared. Sure. Yeah. Um, so Fargo Police Chief David Todd would later comment, we were running constant surveillance and investigating several different theories regarding Savannah potentially being held against her will. And Norberta was not having any of this. She basically said they were not running constant surveillance. That's like totally false. According to her, the investigation felt lackluster, and she would later tell a reporter that she felt as though they were not taking her daughter's disappearance seriously and that they really didn't seem to care. So, you know, as much as the police said, oh, we were doing constant searching and surveillance, Norberta was like, that is not (laughs) how it went down. Hmm. Um, So she also remembered later saying, more needs to be done. I begged them from the beginning. From the moment I called them, I pleaded with them. There's something wrong. You've got to do this now. And it just felt to her like they weren't particularly concerned and just kind of did a brief Mm. peek in and said, no, nothing and left. Um, So Brooke and William were the only suspects in Savannah's disappearance, but the police weren't really getting any information of value from them. And that changed when police stopped at William's place of work to check out what people at work were, you know, saying about William. And this is where things got a little strange. So the the police began questioning William's coworkers, who revealed some somewhat confusing anecdotes about their colleague, William. Hmm. Multiple employees at the roofing company told police that William had recently been talking about the new baby he had at home. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I just got goose camp from my own story. So, um, this was, of course, incredibly suspicious to police because there was no sign of a baby when they were searching the apartment multiple times. Nobody had been hearing a baby. So this is the first, in other words, this is the first they're hearing of a a baby uh, at the house. So 
So that's when they realized, like, uh uh-oh, things might be more nefarious and worse than we had imagined. Uh, So the reports of William and Brooke's new baby, quote-unquote, were enough to grant police another warrant to search their apartment again, which they did finally on August 24th. Okay. They arrived at the right time, and luckily enough, Brooke was home. She was in the apartment, and on the bed lay a perfectly healthy newborn baby girl. Oh, fuck. That's... Yeah. Okay, so... Great. It's pretty much exactly what so, you're imagining. So what I would what I would hope the police would do next is take that baby and then somehow like get a blood test and confirm that it belonged to Savannah and Precisely. they could can they could charge her for at least kidnapping and then also where the fuck is Savannah? Precisely, yes. So that's where this exactly this is like the breaking point where everything kind of I'm just saying what apart. I what I think should happen before what yeah. I find out is this is not what happens. <laughs> no, no, no. That's what happened. So uh, so they find this baby. They obviously arrest Brooke right there. They go to William's work, arrest him. And three days after they find the baby, they find Savannah's body. Uh, by the, it was discovered by the kayakers, like I said earlier, uh, just across the border from Fargo in Moorhead, Minnesota. So they do, they run a DNA test on the baby girl, and this confirmed that she was Savannah's and Ashton's baby. Mm. Horrifying, really horrifying. At, um, at least the at least the baby was okay. At least- yeah, yeah. I mean, the baby survived and was healthy, so that's at least good. Oh, it's still um, that's so terrible. It's just so traumatic and horrible. So the daughter was taken to live with Ashton, but. From what I heard in that other podcast, Wounded, too, they were saying, you know, it took days for the DNA test to come back. So this whole time, Ashton and Savannah's parents don't have access to this baby. And it's like, that's my child. That's our grandchild. Um, And they just weren't able to even hold the baby until this DNA test came back. So it must have been excruciating those couple days. you're probably going to say it, or maybe I should have already put it together. But was this a situation where they killed her in cut the baby out oh, you'll find out in pretty pretty fun specific detail uh, okay. momentarily so don't worry about that um yes and i will warn you folks before i kind of get into that so a dna test confirmed she was savannah's and ashton's um it took a few days so again like must have been just excruciating for the family to not know what was happening to the baby whether she was safe whatever while the police were holding her i assume she was in some sort of foster care situation i'm not totally sure on December 11th of 2017, Brooke pled guilty to charges of conspiracy to commit murder, conspiracy to commit kidnapping, and lying to police. She was weeping throughout her testimony and apologizing and was like, it just kind of icked me out, to be honest. It was like, mm. you fucking suck. You can't just <laughs> lay your crying and be like, oh, no, I'm so sad. It's like, like she was it acting just pisses like, me off. She was acting <laughs> like super, like sugary apologetic when it's like you know exactly what you did yeah it's almost like this wasn't an accident you know it just feels and and for all i know like she was fully sorry for what she did i am not saying that but it's just like i just didn't like watching it um she you know she apologized she said i can't believe what i did to savannah's family uh she said there's no excuse there's no rationalization there is nothing my actions devastated a family and shocked the community that i called home which like yeah, I mean, yeah, you're spot on with that, I guess. Yeah. So Brooke revealed that – now this is where Brooke tells us pretty much what happened. So Brooke revealed that Savannah had come to her apartment on August 19th under the pretense of modeling a dress for her. 
As soon as Savannah arrived, Brooke began arguing with her, I'm not sure about what, and the two ended up fighting in the bathroom, where Brooke pushed Savannah, causing her to hit her head on the sink and fall unconscious. Mm. Now, this is Brooke's story, so we don't know, you know, it could have been like, oh, I'm not saying this is what happened, but like, you don't know if she changed right. how she became unconscious, but right, right. just pointing that out that we don't know if all of this is 100% true. So that's what she said happened. She said, um, Brooke went into the kitchen and retrieved a knife because that was the first thing that came to her mind when Savannah fell unconscious. Did she, I mean, I'm I'm operating under, did she think that she had killed Savannah and now she has to use the knife? Nope. To, oh. And you'll see why. So okay. she thinks, okay, this, this girl is alive and I'm still on my this way to grab a knife. This is my opportunity. Yeah. Okay, I see. Yeah, which is why I'm almost hesitant to believe the full story of well it was an accident she hit her head because it's like you seem to have a fully laid out plan for what happened once she quote unquote hit her head yeah like okay so she hit her head and that was an accident and it was also accidental exactly once she was unconscious then you went to go grab a knife yeah it doesn't line up for me personally and again like we don't know what actually happened but to me it seems more intentional everything else is so intentional that the hitting the head on the sink seems a little bit like uh, are you sure you didn't intend for right. that part or like right. hit her with something or who knows so here is where i want to give a pretty a trigger warning for childbirth and pregnancy trauma it's a pretty short description but it's it's pretty fucked up i'll put that out there so you can skip ahead if you're like no thanks so on returning to the bathroom she proceeded to cut into savannah's abdomen and yeah and his face oh god and what and pull the baby out of her womb i know and at this point savannah was drifting in and out of consciousness <gasps> so definitely still like fully alive i know oh my god Whoa. i know so she had lost enough blood at this point that she was basically on the verge of being you know fully gone or unconscious at least so her loss of blood it led her to drift pretty much in and out of consciousness the entire time. It's just the most horrific. It's just the most darkly horrific thing. I I, I don't even know how else to to explain it other than that. But Whoa. so that is the end of the 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 gruesome detail, I guess. But. Okay. Um, pretty terrible. So while Brooke was cleaning up the blood from the bathroom floor, William returned home to find Brooke holding a newborn baby. And she said to William, this is our baby. This is our family. That's, I mean, I'm sure not the first red flag, but like definitely one of them. Yuck. In terms of like, you just walk in and she's holding a baby and you hope that she just adopted a baby magically overnight, but also. Where did it come from? uh Uh-huh. Yep. So for a bit of insight into basically Brooke and William's relationship leading up to this, um, just to kind of give you some background into what went on behind the scenes before this occurred, earlier that year in January of 2017, and again, this is in August, so eight months later, Mm -hmm. (sighs) Brooke had told William she was pregnant um, after he had threatened to leave her. Fun fact, she was not pregnant. So essentially it was a ploy to say stay with me i'm having your child which 
they mentioned this on Wounded. Like, I'm surprised this worked because she had seven children and he had two that they didn't associate with or care much about. So it's odd to me that this would be like the thing that kept him in her life. That's like, a he great didn't seem point. To care about the other kids, you know? Like they didn't have a, any association with their other children. That's so. a great point of like how, like you. That's it's not like children have been something you attach yourself to. Right, in the past. right. And also this, I'm sure you're gonna get into this, but like. So is that the story that she ran with this whole time? And was she, like, filling up, like, putting pillows under her shirt and stuff so it made it look like she was pregnant? Or So it actually ends up having more to do with William giving her an ultimatum. But I'll, I'll read that to you in a minute. It's just what you would not expect. Like, so at this point, obviously, early on, she's she's pulling out ultrasounds from her previous seven pregnancies and she had you know, quite is, a, a backlog to work she with. had a backlog exactly she had enough to work with to convince him for a while like you're saying before she had to you know stuff her shirt or anything mm-hmm. um so this okay oh god it's horrible so later there came a point where Brooke just couldn't lie to him anymore. And for whatever reason, instead of saying like, hey, I lost the baby or, you know, something of that nature, she admitted that she had made it all up. So William flipped out after he found out she had lied to him about her pregnancy. And in rage, he ambiguously told her to produce a baby or he would leave her. Wow. What a magic trick, though. Wow. (laughs) It's like, wow. Just careful what you say. So... Hmm. I'm wondering what he thinks. Well, remember, his coworkers are saying, oh, yeah, he's talking about his new baby. Like, he's clearly fully on board with this because his coworkers oh. are like, yeah, he says he has a baby at home. No, <laughs> like, but for him for him to be saying, like, produce a baby, was that his, like, are we now treading really lightly into, like, sexual assault territory where he's trying his best to get her pregnant? Or does he literally think, like, She's just going to, like, immaculately No, conceive. I think he just, since this was so many months later, I think he was like, well, you promised me a baby, so where's my baby? Like, it was very ambiguous. Again, like, I don't know Weird. if anyone knew if he meant, like, find one or, like, adopt Ugh. one or steal one or Gross. create one. Like, I, I really don't know what it means. I don't think to this day we have any full understanding. I think he was just angry and screamed that at her, and she took it very literally. Jeez, like, I don't care how this happens, but I need a baby here in nine months. Make it happen. To say, no, like now, because this was like months later oh, that right. he found out like she's lying this whole time he's, she's been lying. Oh, okay. And so at this point, he's like, well, you promised me a baby coming like any day now. Give me one. <laughs> so she's like, okay. And wow. took him literally at his word. And this was basically Brooke producing the baby for William. I mean, really next level like you would never expect this twistedness to happen on the part of both of them and this it's just so Ugh. beyond anything i could comprehend so it just gets worse so in the bathroom with savannah on the floor william asks savannah or asks uh brooke if savannah is dead to which brooke replied i don't know please help me then according to brooke william left the bathroom and came back with a rope which he tightened around savannah's neck until she was no longer breathing and then he said if she wasn't dead before she is now So that's Brooke's story. Um, They then, yeah, they then stash Savannah's body in a closet in the bathroom, clean the blood off the bathroom floor. And this is where people often bring up like the ineptitude of the investigation. Um, 
both times police said they thoroughly searched the apartment and were doing full surveillance. But it's, it's hard to believe, A, that they hadn't been able to find Savannah's body if it was in the apartment that whole time. Right. But at the same time, you could argue, which they had brought up in Wounded, that you could argue that without a warrant, you can't open anything. You can't open drawers. You can't open closets. Okay. So if something's behind closed doors, you can just look. You can't open anything. So in some way, I guess that's an excuse. But these also but, don't feel like the most smart people in the world who <laughs> would have known that loophole. I feel like they, if that's the case, they just really lucked Real out. lucky. Really or they've had out. enough encounters with police to know that because right. they've just been in this situation before. <sighs> but as one publication puts it, Brooke and William weren't exactly criminal masterminds. Okay. Like you were just saying. Yeah. Because how did they get away with this for so long? Um, with the body like they were sleeping they were going to bed with this spot with her body in the closet i mean it's really beyond and the other thing that blows my mind is like there was a baby in there the whole time Ugh. nobody heard a baby crying nobody heard yeah anything it's just baffling i mean i don't know what they were doing i'm i was just shocked when the baby appeared days later and nobody had ever yeah ex- and also expected like- it I mean, I'm not a cop, so I don't really know what it goes into an investigation process. But I feel like in every show, I see that there's a, at least a black light on the carpet. Like, you couldn't see blood? Like, I guess not. I guess they just kind of did a cursory glance to see if she was in the apartment and didn't see anything. They probably bleached the floors and... Wow. Yeah, that was it. So it's definitely debated how thoroughly the place was searched and i'm sure people go back and forth on this um but just want to call that out so so the murder likely occurred from what they can gather between 2 and 3 p.m and the police arrived at the apartment at 5 so basically like you're saying they would have had to really pull something together to hide this from police officers walking through the apartment like right two hours ago we murdered someone on this floor and now you're walking through and, and you couldn't have possibly bleached everything then because you would have smelled bleach after two hours of- there would have been bleach that's a good point yeah and well, there's a now a newborn baby in here like where are you hiding it All right. it's just so baffling to me that they were in the apartment multiple times and with a two-hour old baby ba- exactly like uh, hours old newborn so baffling honestly baffling so that um, make, uh, that makes me feel like they really didn't do that good of a job because of an investigating because if there was no way that they could have really like scrubbed that place down then they definitely could have found evidence of something Yeah, it was probably a very cursory like yeah. let's peek in and see no there's nothing here, you know. Right. Um I can't imagine if you didn't go near that bathroom that you wouldn't have at least had a sense like Right. Something's the the right like yeah. I don't know anything. But again, I was not there, but that's just at least the the thought in my head. So um, even William later revealed in testimony that each time the apartment was searched by the police, he was in bed and the baby was just hiding under the blanket next to him. Like literally he was laying with the baby and just like threw a blanket over it. Are you serious? Oh my God. Nobody just even noticed he was there. (laughs) It was like, holy shit. I mean. Oh my God. Yeah, so during her testimony, Brooke confirmed that while William had demanded she produce a baby, he didn't know of her plan to murder Savannah and claim her baby as her own. Brooke would later in her testimony even admit to bringing the baby to Walmart in public, uh, just like basically took this child and was like, it's mine now and lived her life. 
Um, I mean, like I said, even William was going to work and describing his happy newborn life, you know, new dad, just beyond twisted. Um, So while Brooke testified that William had strangled Savannah, this was disputed by a fellow inmate of Brooke's who testified that Brooke had actually told her she had strangled Savannah herself. Um, it's unknown whether Savannah died of blood loss or strangulation. The autopsy only listed homicidal violence as the cause of death. So Mm. we don't know which of the acts, uh, actually killed her. On August 20th, after police had searched the apartment for the third time with no luck, William hollowed out a dresser and stashed Savannah's body in it. And then in the early hours of August 21st, Brooke and William put the dresser in their Jeep, drove it to a bridge, hauled the dresser over the side, and dumped it into the Red River. Whoa. Yes. So it wasn't for six days that, uh, that's not English, it wasn't until <gasps> six days later that her body was found. However, it was not in the dresser, like I was saying, it was like attached to a log almost. Mm-hmm. So it's unclear whether the dresser was ever found. And on February 2nd, 2018, Brooke was sentenced to life in prison without the chance of parole. And then on September 4th, William pleaded guilty to conspiracy to kidnap and for lying to the police. He was also charged with conspiracy to commit murder, which he to which he pleaded not guilty. He was tried and acquitted of this charge on September 28th, 2018. But at the same time, he was already charged with plenty of other things. So he's still far yeah. away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, He was originally sentenced to life in prison, but the sentence was overturned by the North Dakota Supreme Court, who in October 2019 resentenced him to 20 years instead of life. Wow. The judge told William, I want to sentence you to as long as I can by law before somberly noting that Savannah Graywin's child who survived the attack will still be in high school when William is eligible for parole. So by the time she's in high school, this motherfucker basically has a chance to get out of prison. Mm. Like. The I, man who beyond. helped put your yeah, it's it's horrific. Oh my um, gosh! Wow, very very dark. So his exact release date will likely be decided by the State Department of Correction. So we don't know that yet. But on August nineteenth, Hazley Joe had been born. Hazley Joe. Hazley Joe, and her grandpa's middle name was or her grandpa's name was Joe. So she was named Aww. after Hazley Joe. Such a cute little. That's sweet so name. sweet. I know. I can't imagine the, the parents to it throughout all this of like horrifying. Uh, yeah, at or Savannah's parents. Yeah, yeah. Just like to know that your kid was m- like mutilated and stashed away, and then not even like a cursory look, as you're saying, like. Mm-hmm. Was, wasn't even found but it could have been so easy to find and then your baby was just like living with these people your grandchild exactly and like yeah i mean, I just I can't imagine those days where the baby had been taken into police custody and they couldn't see the baby knowing it existed knowing she existed like i can't imagine how fucking awful that weight must have been especially for the DNA. like she like that baby's the last link you have to your mm-hmm. kid that like you also don't know where she is and completely wow completely so Hazley Joe had been born August 19th, and as her prosecutor Johnson Mar- Martinez put it, uh, taking her first breath as her mother was taking her last. Wow. Really sad. That's really, really miserable. And Yeah. Wow. So despite the traumatic experience, thankfully, uh, Hazley Joe was actually born remarkably healthy. So at least we have that uh, to thank. 22-year-old Ashton and his daughter became inseparable, but he also found it obviously incredibly difficult to deal with the fact that he had a baby but no Savannah. 
Uh, Ashton is being supported by his and Savannah's families, so um, at least he has a support system around him. Hazley will be four in August this year and wow. has been described by Ashton as a calm, happy baby who is always smiling. Oh my gosh. <laughs> makes me want to cry. Um, yeah, it's just next level horrific. So a public Facebook group run by the Great One family frequently posts photos of little Hazley Joe uh, growing up and some, some sweet ones of her at her mother's grave. Mm. They visit it quite often from what I can tell. Savannah was buried on Thursday, September 7th, 2017 at First Assembly Church and almost a thousand people attended the service. A lot of them wore red shirts to uh, red shorts to honor Savannah and other missing women from the area. And this is kind of where the aftermath, there's at least a silver lining here in that as a result of Savannah's murder, former North Dakota Senator Heidi Heitkamp introduced Savannah's act in the U.S. uh, Senate in October of 2017. And it was co-sponsored by Senator Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, and the bill, quote, aims to improve tribal access to federal crime information databases and create standardized protocols for responding to cases of missing and murdered Native American women. Wow. So basically, it requires the Justice Department to report statistics on missing or murdered Native Americans, develop guidelines for responses to these cases, um, conduct outreach to tribes and Native American organizations, and provide training to law enforcement on how to record specifically tribal enrollment for victims in federal databases. So, wow. so at least something good came of all of yeah. this, um, aside from Hazley Joe, obviously. And then in uh, September of 2020, actually, so only a couple months ago, Savannah's Act was passed by the U.S. House of Representatives, and Republican Senator John Hoven of North Dakota and Chairman of the Senate Committee on Indian Affairs co-sponsored the bill. He stated, Savannah's Act addresses a tragic issue in Indian country and helps establish better law enforcement practices to track, solve, and prevent these crimes against Native Americans. We appreciate our house colleagues for passing the bill today and sending it on to the president to become law at the same time we continue working to advance more legislation like this to strengthen public safety in tribal communities and ensure victims of crime receive support and justice and then this bill was signed into law by president trump this past fall so thankfully we have at least again another um positive change legally that came from this Wow. Obviously, you would have thought, you would have hoped that, that something like this would have already been in effect long before 2020 and long before it took this to happen, but at least something came of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so Savannah's Act was passed alongside the Not Invisible Act, which also in- aims to increase coordination efforts to reduce violence against Native American people. And in uh, just to kind of give a little overview, I know I've covered this when I did a story, um, God, it's probably almost a year now that I kind of went more in depth because it was right at the start of the quarantine it was like one of our first zoom episodes that i went into um more of the missing and murdered indigenous women Mm. uh, statistics but i'm just going to refresh everyone's memory so in the u.s indigenous women are twice as likely to go missing than white american women even though they make up a far smaller percentage of the population wow Uh, in many parts of the country indigenous women are 10 times more likely to be murdered compared with the rest of the population and in Canada specifically, the issues of the issue of missing and murdered Indigenous women has been formally described as a national crisis and a Canadian genocide. Statistics showed that between 1980 and 2012, Indigenous women and girls made up 16% of all female homicides, even though they only made up 4% of the female population. So, Whoa. just wildly out of proportion and wildly. Um, wow. Yeah. 
Wow. So crimes against indigenous people are underreported and when they are reported are often insufficiently investigated, which kind of links back to this story. In other words, non-natives often commit crimes against indigenous women because they know there is a higher chance they'll get away with it. So just <sighs> fucking horrible circle. Wow. Sorry, I feel like all I'm saying is wow over and over. I know, it's hard <laughs> to say anything. I feel like I'm just spewing out numbers and information, but it's just all really sad. It's just all really, really sad. Um, so this brings us to the end of the story, but on August 1st, 2019, a Nibi or water walk along the 550-mile Red River took place over two weeks to bring awareness to the tragedy of missing and murdered Indigenous women. Uh, Nibi walks are described as Indigenous-led extended ceremonies to pray for the water. Every step is taken in prayer and gratitude for water or our life-giving force. And as of August 1st, 134 bodies of Indigenous women have been found in the Red. In the red. <gasps> oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I'm going to have Eva put a link in the show notes, and I'll put it in the YouTube as well, to a website listing resources for both Indigenous folks, uh, Native folks, as well as others who want to learn how to, you know, support and be an ally. So instead of reading that out loud because it's a long link, I'll just put it in the show notes. But there's definitely things you can do to help and ways you can call your representatives, um, you know, contribute any resources you might have. So, yeah, you know, just touches on that whole subject again, but within that is just a horribly gruesome story yeah wow well the end (laughs) the end Uh, now welcome to our podcast now we're all happy i uh um but wow thank you for uh telling a story about uh indigenous women i know yeah no a lot of people want to hear us talk more about that stuff so yes yeah i've been definitely looking into them i definitely have a lot saved um obviously i don't just want to you know go hard in the paint on (laughs) it's just i you know i like to, this sounds really bizarre but i like to keep things mixed up you know so that sometimes yeah. we're like let's cover a a cult you know right. just like a switch up the the narrative every week a little bit but yeah um, it sounds yeah, fucked it up because it's like hmm which type of victim am i talking about yes. today but there's not one that's like more exactly right that's it it's hard to put into words but um you know, I I just like to spread the, you want the knowledge. Vari- you want variety in your stories, but variety also variety in the stories. But it, also and, in the most fucked up way, representation matters. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It certainly does. I mean, I fully believe that and I figured it was about time to kind of touch on this. It's been almost a year now since I first, you know, went into that yeah. really long winded story about uh, I remember it was be very long. Um so yeah, there <sighs> we are. Well, thank you. Hopefully everyone listens to this and then finds a way to have a positive day uh feels bummed out yeah yeah. my bad everybody sorry to bring you another bummer but that's what i'm here for every single (laughs) week that's my job and i do it well hopefully this is your low of the entire week and it just only gets better from here so that's what we do we drag you down as far as we possibly can so that you only can go up from here that's the that's the truth well thank you Thank You're you welcome. for uh, for tuning in, and hopefully you are looking forward to us bumming you out next week. Uh, <laughs> we'll do it again and again and again, we promise. We will do it every <laughs> Sunday until you don't want us to, and then we'll probably still do it a little no, extra. We'll just no. <laughs> do it to ourselves if you're not listening anymore. Uh, well, thank you so much. Um, you can find all of our information on and that's why I drink dot com. Um, yeah, and the the escape room will be out next week also. So. And uh, I'll put my, we'll have, <laughs> Jess or Eva put my 
uh, expose yourself to art picture on Instagram. Yes. If anyone's interested. I certainly am. I would like it. Except M. It's just going to be one like and it's just M. (laughs) It'll be, I'll find a way to call Instagram and make it a love instead of just a like. I'll be like, I need this. I need the heart to explode when I click on it. Christine's going to cry for the rest of the week if I don't give her one heart, one love (laughs) on her her stupid post. I can't wait to turn it into legitimate art and then the circle will be complete. Wow. Beautiful. Full circle. Well, thank you guys, and that's why we drink. Certainly need one now. Yes. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.